everybody. My name is Rafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. Before we continue, let me tell you a bit about Squarespace. I've been using it for both my corporate and my professional websites, and it's made a world of difference for my business. First of all, it saves me a lot of time because their web designing platform is so easy to use. I don't have to figure things out. I just add different elements to a page, check if it looks pretty, and publish it. I can move things around quickly and adjust my homepage as needed, so I can let you know about my upcoming classes, webinars, and speaking events. I've added different sections to the menu too as my content has started to grow, and everything is organized perfectly. Besides, Squarespace allows me to see what each page will look like in different formats, whether people are visiting my website on a computer, tablet, or smartphone. That way, I can make sure nothing looks clunky and everyone can get the information they need in a visually pleasant way. I can also check out some behind-the-scenes information to confirm that my outreach efforts are working. I can see where the traffic to my website is coming from, what keywords visitors used on Google searches to get to my content, and where in the world my audience is located which is perfect when I want to explore some opportunities with translation clients in different markets. If you don't have a professional website yet, or if your current setup has let you down, I know for a fact that Squarespace is exactly what you need to recreate your business image and your brand so clients can find you. To give Squarespace a try and get 10% off your hosting plan, go to this webpage bit.ly slash t3-squarespace. That way, they'll know that you've heard about them here at Translation Confessional. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly slash t3-squarespace. Hope you like it. The Language of Diversity and Inclusion I've been cooking up today's episode in my head for months because it's something I really wanted to address, but I acknowledge the fact that I'll probably just scratch the surface in the few minutes it would take me to explore the subject. And this ended up being Translation Confessional's longest episode today. I'm talking about the effort language professionals have been making nowadays to make sure we embrace diversity in our translations and interpretations so as to not propagate bias through our work in our translations and interpretations so as to not propagate bias through our work. So I'll try to unpack the subject as much as possible here, but I would really like to keep the conversation going. If you're comfortable to do so, Send me your first-hand experiences with the language of diversity and inclusion, whether it refers to the type of subjects you translate and interpret, or how you use language in your personal life because you're a woman, a person of color, a member of the LGBTIQA community, or simply an ally like me 
who is passionate about the subject and wants to promote equality. I'll start out with the easiest part, some of the work I've done that falls in this category. I translate a lot of corporate communications and training programs because they match my background. Since I was trained for four years in journalism school to write press releases and act as a public relations liaison, if I ever got hired by a company to represent them in their media efforts. Considering that, I've been working with a lot of materials that train leaders on how to recognize their biases during the hiring and promoting process, so they'll give equal opportunity to all candidates and employees and don't oversee someone's talent because of their own preconceived notions about that person's appearance, ethnic background, or identity. The main message I see in this kind of material is humans are complex, multidimensional beings, and we can all benefit from bringing in a diversity of people together to improve our environment and advance our goals. When trying to keep inclusion in mind as far as addressing women in the workplace, for example, I do my best to keep my translations neutral when I'm working from English to Portuguese. I'm not sure if many of you know, but Romance languages like Portuguese have gendered articles, nouns, and adjectives, while English is pretty gender neutral already, or has made an effort towards that in the past couple of decades. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For instance, English used to have gender words that have been changed into something neutral because women are gaining more representation in certain fields. We used to say congressman and congresswoman, and now we use member of congress. There used to be waiters and waitresses, who are now simply servers. Even actresses have now been referring to themselves as actors to sort of try to level the playing field and not be discriminated against when compared to their male co-stars. And this effort goes the other way around, too. We no longer have stewardess or air hostess. We now have flight attendant, because more men have joined that sector. I saw this one study once that tried to detect gender bias towards certain words. When you see or hear the word doctor, do you immediately think of a male doctor? And when you see or hear the word nurse, do you immediately think of a female nurse? This gender bias gets worse in translation when we're talking about romance languages, because we have a word for male doctor and a word for female doctor, just to keep the same example. In Portuguese, we use magico for man and magica for women. So it is hard to try to be inclusive without impairing the reading experience of our target audience, 
Because what we usually do in these cases to make sure both men and women doctors are represented is to write magical and put an A in parentheses to offer magica as an alternative, but without writing the entire word again. Actually, one thing I've been seeing from my fellow Brazilian translators, and interestingly enough, most of them have been women so far, is that they are no longer using the male noun followed by parentheses A. They've been doing it the other way around, writing the female noun first and adding parentheses O as an alternative. And I've seen some people, mostly men, I must say, who think it's ridiculous and wrong because we've been writing the male first, female second for ages. Our answer to that kind of weak argument is, if you're upset when you see magica, parentheses, O, why do you think that we, women, shouldn't be bothered by magical, parentheses, A? Just because something has been continuously done in the past, it doesn't mean that it's right, right? Well, one solution I often see when it fits the context is to use something like health professionals because profissional da saúde is neutral in Portuguese. Other times, if we turn a gendered noun into something abstract, we can get the same effect and eliminate any gender markers. For example, I also translate a lot of surveys, so I often come across a question like, are you interested in X? Well, Interested is a gender adjective in Portuguese. So instead of resorting to the interessado, parentheses, A, I just turn things around and say, do you have any interest in X? That way, interest becomes an abstract noun that, despite being classified as a male noun, doesn't really have any gender markers as it relates to the subject of the sentence. In other words, only men can be interessado, and only women can be interessada, but anyone can have interesse, regardless of their gender or identity. In any case, that goes without saying that we must have another kind of inclusion in mind. How about the readers of our translations who are blind or visually impaired and rely on voice assistants to read something to them? so they can have access to the information while listening to it. This whole parentheses thing really gets in the way and interrupts the flow of a sentence while the blind or visually impaired are listening to a text. The same applies to Latin X, which has been replacing the word Latino and Latina, but I'll talk about it later in the third section of this episode. Now, after the break, I'll cover the second subject I want to address today. Representing diversity and fostering the inclusion of people of color in our language products. I'm sure you've heard that Audible is the leading library for audiobooks, right? But have you given it a try yet? There are literally hundreds of thousands of titles you can choose from, and you'll be saving tons of money if you sign up for a premium account. For $14.99 a month, you get one credit to download any book you want, whose price tag is usually around $20 or so. Right there, you'd be saving money and keeping up with your book addiction at the same time. They have books in different languages too, 
And some classics are for free, so you don't have to apply your monthly credit to it. You just download the audiobook and enjoy it. And that goes without saying that they have some exclusive content read by incredible actors. So if you close your eyes, it really feels like you're at a theater listening to a play on stage. On top of that, you can also check out the latest trending podcasts. And yes, you can listen to Translation Confessional on Audible too. If you're not yet sure whether Audible is right for you, I dare you to give it a try. Get a 30-day trial and enjoy your first book for free. But I bet you'll get hooked on it and add audiobooks to your routine. Make sure you use the link in this episode's description so they'll know Translation Confessional sent you their way. Then come back to me and let me know what books you're listening to. I hope you enjoy it. When it comes to people of color, also known as POC in English, there is so much we can talk about, and it goes into social, cultural, and political issues that I will not be able to unpack here. But it pretty much separates the world between white and non-white groups. There are two kinds of efforts as far as diversity and inclusion as it relates to people of color. The first effort comes down to language use itself while the second refers to the representation of translators and interpreters of color. Let's start with the latter, because it ties in with something that has happened very recently, which I mentioned briefly on our last episode. Translators are not starving artists. I'm talking about African-American poet Amanda Gorman's translation from English into different languages worldwide and how there's been a discussion on whether non-black translators could or should translate her work. Check out last week's episode for links to some interesting reading material on that subject. Now, in Brazil, where it is estimated that 91 million people are of African descent, we have Abrachis Afro, a program created in 2017 by the Brazilian Translators Association to give visibility and help prepare African-Brazilian translators and interpreters. The program has been mentioned in international events, which goes to show that we need to follow their lead and implement similar programs worldwide. I'm also leaving a link to the Abrachis Afro page for you to learn more about it. Language-wise, the first thing that comes to mind is how the word black is now being capitalized in English. There are great articles from the New York Times and the Atlantic on that, so I'm leaving those links in this episode's description as well. As for Brazil, there is an interesting dynamic surrounding the equivalent of black in Portuguese. Growing up, we've always used the word negro for the ethnic background. And no, it does not translate into the N-word in English. It's always been a pretty neutral word to describe African Brazilians, with negritude being the standard term for blackness. When it comes to the actual color, not related to ethnic background, we have the word preto. However, it's been applied to describe people, and it used to be used with a bit of disdain, as if the person being described were dirty or a lesser being. Believe me, I've witnessed people close to me using the word preto with that kind of connotation while making facial expressions, which I can only describe as disgust. 
I dare say preto used to be used in a similar way as blacky, negro, or collared. Of course, observing the different histories that Brazil and the United States have had with slavery and civil rights. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Actually, five years ago, I worked on a very interesting project with a PhD student here in the United States. She, an African-American woman, went down to Brazil to learn more about the history of Afro-Brazilian communities, especially in the state of Bahia. She interviewed a series of people who were part of some social programs to help further the education of Afro-Brazilians. So the project basically consisted of transcribing all those interviews in Portuguese and then translating them into English so the PhD student could quote them in her thesis. When we first started talking about the project, we had a phone call because she wanted to know if I'd be the right person for the job. Well, first of all, I present as white or light brown, but my background is pretty diverse and I wanted to reassure her that I'm constantly reading, studying and learning about racial issues, diversity and inclusion. After all, I'm a Latin American in the United States. And I kind of addressed that in Season 1, Episode 44, An Immigrant's Nightmare. But I'm also indigenous on my mom's side, and Afro-Brazilian on my dad's side. So while talking to the PhD student, she felt more comfortable awarding me the project because of my level of awareness about the history of black people in Brazil, which was the main subject of her thesis. While transcribing all those interviews, several people addressed what I just mentioned how using the word negro in Portuguese is preferred instead of preto, as in the name of the caller. However, and it's only been five years since I worked on it, I've been noticing a change in language use in Brazil. Black Brazilians who are younger than me are taking back the words preto and preta with pride to describe themselves that way. As a personal choice, I'd still describe my great-grandma as negra, but I know I must keep in mind the target audience and use preto or preta if the context demands it. One more thing before I move on from the talk surrounding ethnic background while being well aware that I'm barely scratching the surface, like I said. After all, There are so many ethnic backgrounds I could not address here, such as Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders or Middle Easterns, because it's not my place to talk about their experiences, since I'm not familiar with the language they speak and the kind of discrimination they may face. 
so I can only watch it from a distance and learn and do my best to be an ally. The one example I can give you actually encompasses all ethnic minorities in the United States. A few weeks ago, I was sent a project to review. The material had been translated from English to Portuguese for a Brazilian audience, and the client wanted me to edit it because their end client in Brazil wasn't quite happy with the final product. Once I read through it, I was able to quickly identify where the issue was. Whoever translated the material was unfortunately not aware of the proper language used by this particular demographic, more specifically the movements towards representation and inclusion of ethnic minorities in U.S. society. So the acronym POC, People of Color, was used throughout the article and the Brazilian translator had used Pessoas de Cor, which sent a chill down my spine right away. As translators, we must remember that we don't translate words. We translate meanings. Just as I explained that black doesn't always translate into preto or preta, and that negro or negra isn't racially charged as the N-word in English, a literal translation of people as pessoas, of as de, and color as cor does not translate people of color into Brazilian Portuguese. That's not what it represents. These are totally different cultures. I made changes to the translation accordingly, and for this special term, in this special case, I just used the Brazilian equivalent of ethnic minorities in the United States as it fit the original context. Well, if you'd like to hear more about the subject of language and racism, I'd highly recommend that you watch two great talks to learn from our black peers. Last May, I watched an online debate called Let's Talk About Race and Linguistics, which was part of the spring series put together by Multilingual Magazine. It was an eye-opening experience to learn from black translators who work into English from different languages and in different parts of the world, and I sure learned a lot from them. The other talk I really enjoyed is in Portuguese, and it's called Black and White, Tradução e Racismo, organized by Descomplicando o Inglês Jurídico, an online program that specializes in legal English for Brazilians. The talk was led by Randy Souza, a black translator and interpreter, and Renato Geraldes, a white interpreter. They addressed the fact that Renato had to go on Brazilian TV and interpret a black actor, one of the Waynes brothers. So he requested Honey's assistance as a consultant to make sure that he would use his language correctly and not from a white man's perspective. What Honey shared with the audience as a result of her initial exchange with Renato was a true masterclass on dissecting Brazilian Portuguese and the racial biases and blatant racist vocabulary that we must stop propagating as language professionals. I'm leaving a link to both recordings available on YouTube in this episode's description as well. Now, after this break, I'll cover the third subject I wanted to address today, representing diversity and fostering the inclusion of members of the LGBTIQA community in our language products. 
Before we continue, I wanted to tell you about Better World Books. It's a great website to search for new and used books in several categories. You can find textbooks about translation, interpretation, and languages, as well as translated and original fiction and nonfiction. Some deals qualify for free shipping, which can really come in handy when you're on a budget. If you'd like to check out Better World Books, go to this webpage, bit.ly slash tc dash bwb. It's easy to remember. TC for Translation Confessional and BWB for Better World Books. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly slash tc dash bwb. Hope you like it. I've read from several people online that they're pretty uncomfortable with efforts to make language more inclusive when it comes to members of the LGBTIQA plus community. Some say that it's stupid that some companies have included more options for gender or sex in their forms beyond male and female. As if someone else choosing the option that suits them actually hurt anyone. I mean, if it doesn't affect you, what are you complaining about? Other people flat out say they refuse to acknowledge the entire debate surrounding personal pronouns. They think it's a moot point. They're keeping track of who is he, him, his, she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs. It's way too much. Some can't even relate to people who decide to be called they instead of he or she because they should always be plural and not refer to a single individual. Once again, if it doesn't affect you, what are you complaining about? People who resist this kind of social movement that is trying to make a change are just completely insensitive and biased against LGBTIQA plus matters. They'll never put themselves in someone else's shoes and even begin to understand the situation. Now, as language people, we cannot make that mistake. We are constantly putting ourselves in someone else's shoes when making language decisions in our translation projects or interpretation events. We must go between the author of a document or a speaker and the target audience. We have to choose our words carefully to keep the communication as clear and effective as possible. Why on earth would you then, as a language professional, not acknowledge understand, and follow this kind of evolution in our respective languages. Anyway, I don't want to get too worked up here, because as I'm recording this, I'm thinking about a lot of dear friends who have struggled one way or another with related issues, and I have seen how poor use of language has hurt them. So let me just stick to one discussion surrounding this matter. And it's the effort to try to make language more neutral, not only to include women instead of having male nouns and adjectives to be the norm in our discourse. We're going beyond that to try to include everyone in between. In the early aughts, the word Latin X emerged as a neutral alternative to using either Latino or Latina, or getting stuck with that alternative I talked about in the first section of this episode. Male noun ending in O, followed by A in parentheses. Another option that soon emerged was to add the 
at sign, like the one from our email, because it kind of looks like a big O with an A inside, thus indicating both genders while also being something neutral. However, despite both options looking good on paper, they created another problem. In their efforts to include LGBTIQA plus people, it ended up excluding the visually impaired. As I already mentioned, the A in parentheses option made it hard for people to access information using voice assistance because there's no sound for that in any language that wouldn't interrupt the flow as something is being read by a computer program. The same goes for replacing either O or A with an X or with the at sign. Computers simply cannot generate speech when reading those words and nobody came up with an audible solution for them. One last alternative that has been used more recently is replacing O or A with a different vowel, E. While it's not the perfect solution, it's a little more inclusive. So, in Spanish and Portuguese, we have the word amigo to designate the male friends and amiga to designate the female friends. And both languages already have E as part of the plural version of a word ending in R, for example. We say profesor for a male teacher and profesora for a female teacher. But we use profesores with an E to designate the plural. Okay, the word is still inherently male because the plural female form is profesoras, but this alternative seems to be picking up more support. So when referring to a friend, you can use amigue as the neutral singular and amigues as the neutral plural. No gender markers at all. Actually, I just did a project the other day that used amigues, and I was so thrilled to see it coming up even though it wasn't really reflected in my own translation. I'll explain. I was working on a beauty tutorial that was originally recorded in Spanish and showed viewers how to get a particular hairstyle just right. At the end of the tutorial, the influencer asked viewers if they enjoyed the video and did a regular YouTube sign-off. Don't forget to like and subscribe! Then, she also asked viewers to share that video with their amigues. Yes, because saying amigas would be sexist too, right? What if a man or non-binary person wanted to try that hairstyle too? So, even though the subtitles I worked on just showed France, boring, because the plural noun in English is already neutral, it really warmed my heart to see content being created with that issue in mind. While I can only talk about these examples in my work languages, and I've seen colleagues from French talking about the same thing, I'd actually love to hear from fellow translators and interpreters who work with different languages that may not run into this gender issue, or who have seen different solutions being floated around to make language more inclusive and embrace diversity. Feel free to leave me a voice message on my anchor page, and if I get enough statements from you, I can revisit the subject in a future episode and share your input on it. Send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my anchor page. 
If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.